This is WWVUFM Morgantown, and welcome to Say Something Nice, uh, the weekly music discussion show where Griffin and I, Anthony, uh, recommend each other an album that the other hasn't heard, and then we come back here to discuss the two of them. Uh, this week, Griffin recommended me uh, the album. Griffin, you want to go ahead? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> sorry. It is uh, John Prine's studio debut, which is uh, self-titled. So the album is John Prine. The artist is John Prine. <laughs> um, and I recommended Griffin the album Fast Edit by Stillhouse Plants, which is the one that we're going to tackle first uh, right here. So Stillhouse Plants is Finley Clark, Jessica Hickey Kallenbach, and David Kennedy three-piece. Uh, they met at the Glass School School of Art in 2013 and started making music together the following year. Uh, the band released two tapes before putting out their debut LP aptly titled Long Play in 2018. Their latest album, Fast Edit, was released just this past August 14th, uh, and it is Still House Plant's third album. And if it is your first time listening to the band, it might take you just a little bit to kind of get your balance while listening to this album. Uh, the group kind of constantly seems to be at the edge of falling apart, as we'll get to into in a little bit. Uh, but just to go into the sound a little bit more before we get going, the uh, guitar and drums both kind of play extremely rubato, like at a time, stumbling over each other. Uh, and Fast Edit is true to its name because throughout the album, Still House Plants weave together different takes of songs from live shows, voice recordings, and studio takes. Uh, and the result is this super fractured and disorienting, but kind of always driving forward music. Uh, fast, uh, fast Edit to me is one of the most compelling like small rock group albums in a while and definitely one of the few unique just guitar rock records that I've heard so far this year. Uh, but with that, Griffin, what did you think of this album? This, while, well, first of all, I feel like you didn't need to tell me that they were art school uh, <laughs> people. I feel like that kind of came naturally. People that make music like this are either from an uh, art school or they're from like somewhere in like just random Midwest place and you'll never hear them. They're like a local only band. Uh, both are, are great. I, <laughs> I'm a big <laughs> fan of both. But um, this album is one of the most wild things that I've heard on record in at, at least this year. I'm trying to think back into 2019 and I can't remember every single thing I've listened to, but yeah, this year, this takes the cake for like the, the strangest thing that I've listened to. This is definitely far and away the most uh, challenging album that you've, uh, that you've had me listen to that we've, that we've covered on this show. Um, it's challenging in a very unique way that not when I think of challenging albums, usually I think of ones that are very uh, either sort of, musically dense or, or long or, or very dark in subject matter this one is just like challenging in that it's so hard to grab onto like you say that they are constantly threatening to uh to fall apart at any second i think that it's more that they're threatening to come together at any second <laughs> and they spend most of the time like apart that being said i think you're absolutely correct in that it's one of the most interesting sort of guitar rock albums that I've heard in some time. 
um insofar as that like yeah everything on here is is noticeably flavored by sort of the rock um and specifically to my mind like post-punk uh aesthetic and sound and everything but it's just taking all of these things and veering in a completely different uh direction than most bands would would sort of take them in uh also the first note that i have on here is just this is not an electronic album because (laughs) for whatever reason apple music uh defined this uh or categorized this under electronic which i mean i suppose with the the smashing together of different uh edits it sort of is but i wouldn't call this an electronic (laughs) particularly no, but that is, that's an interesting point to bring up, I think, just in general, because uh, yeah. I hadn't really put that together before, like, I know they do mix and match, like, a bunch of different things and kind of, like, chop some stuff up to put back into their music, but I think just the way that these songs are kind of composed uh, is definitely not in the typical rock songwriting canon, uh, which is what leads it to be as unique of a rock record as it really is because it does remind me more uh of like an idm album where not everything is really always lining up as you listen through it yeah for sure or or like um yeah it, it sounds like in a weird alternate universe where someone like arca makes demos like before <laughs> uh before they make their actual music um which it's a really interesting album for that fact a lot of these songs on here feel like three uh different members of a band practicing just kind of like backstage and someone's recording just as they're all sort of doing their own thing um and in a way the biggest comparison that i drew throughout was uh to uh the shags who i think Mm -hmm. often also got uh sort of uh the moniker of uh sounding like they were playing in three different (laughs) <laughs> uh, time signatures <laughs> at any given time this uh album is is very similar to that and and similarly to that well i guess sort of based on what i know about the making of that record and and the attempts to recreate it i know that that's a hard sound to sort of mimic uh generally it's hard to sound that off kilter um which is why the uh making of this record i think in and of itself is an accomplishment um i did want to ask have you listened to their first record and if so like how similar is it to this like how much does the sort of editing techniques used on this album affect the the sound of it um i haven't listened to it as much as this one like only one time or so um Mm -hmm. but i think they still this method of piecing stuff together isn't new for the band i think they more just parred back uh the instruments that they had because I think on their previous album, Long Play, they had um, like a saxophone player and they had uh, like piano and violins and different stuff like that uh, included on there. But it was still the same kind of fractured uh, piece together art rock. Yeah, I would really be interested in hearing what this band sounds like with more uh, instrumental backing because. Um, one of the things that I found challenging about this record uh, is something that reminds me of some other records that you've uh, recommended me in the past is that it's very sparse and very pared down to 
I mean, the only thing that you're consistently hearing to my, my recollection, some tracks have bass, but I think that it's just guitar, drum, and vocals, mm-hmm. uh, each one sounding more uh, like <laughs> sort of stranger than the last. Um, and so I think that adding some more instruments to the mix could add like sort of a chaotic element that could be really uh, interesting. Um, although I appreciate uh, that in pairing back, you can more consistently hear the editing techniques used. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause certainly there's like moments where you're, it's very in your face, like a track like uh, choppy nice or something where it's just like super like chopped up, uh, like sort of like tape recording. It sounds like, mm-hmm. um, I really liked moments like that. I sort of wish that throughout they focused a little bit more on that idea um, or maybe called more attention to it throughout because they might do it several times per track, but um, there are only a few places where I could really say like very, very uh, confidently that this was, you know, uh, edited from multiple takes uh, in an intentional way. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the songs feel like uh, like I said, they feel very natural in a, in a weird way. Like they could be played live uh, with very little editing. Right. Um, um, I think along that, uh, I definitely see your point where it's like the, uh, you don't really necessarily hear where the one recording ends and the next one begins from song, like within a single song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the moments where it does happen, even if it's not so obvious, I think are really strong. Um, and the part that always first comes to mind is the beginning of September, where it starts off with, uh, it just starts off with Jessica's vocals, and it sounds like she's under an underpass or just like near a road. You can hear cars going by. There's general nature sounds, uh, and then partway through it switches to a studio recording and her vocals are cleaner and the whole band comes in. Uh, and it's just like interesting moments like that and on predicated as well, which is most, I think it's like a phone recording that was put on the ground somewhere, like at a rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely has that sound. Um, and it's hearing the way that they're able to mix together the different recordings is one of the more interesting things about it. Um, but I want to bring it back to what you were saying about the album being uh really sparse and how that can both be a detriment and uh, a benefit to this album Mm. and I think I usually try and see it more as a benefit because of how uh seemingly like unpredictable and just free the instrumentals are I think a lot of times uh and one of my issues with some free jazz and stuff is that there's just too much going on Mm. um that you kind of, it's disorienting, but you also get lost. And I think whenever you pull it back to just two, maybe three or four uh, parts going on at the same time, it can still be disorienting, but you don't get that sense of being lost like you do. For sure, yeah, there's never a moment on here where I feel like I'm being enveloped by the music, but for something like this, that is something that I kind of search for. And it's funny that you bring up the free jazz comparison because especially when you said that they uh, had horn parts uh, in the uh, on their first album, that's the exact thing that popped up into my mind in sort of a um, charitable way. You know what I mean? Like some mm-hmm. like experimental sort of jazz stuff. Uh, 
But I do think that the way they paired it back here is interesting, especially because, like I said, I would um, associate this record more with, um, it, especially during the, the parts that I liked most of it, um, I'd associate it more with like sort of an early post-punk sound than necessarily an art rock sound, although the art influence is still very much there. Specifically in the vocals of the lead singer, which are so strange. <laughs> um for a lot of the record, they almost seem amelodic, but for like, I don't remember exactly around which track, uh, but on like so- what would be side B of the record, uh, toward the back half, they they you start there. There are a lot of passages where her vocals can like shine, uh, in a more interesting way, and they're still like extremely unique vocals, and uh, not what anyone I think would call like very beautiful singing. <laughs> Mm. but it's interesting sort of hearing the the change that starts to happen especially on a track like September where it starts out with just um the the singer's vocals uh and I also like on the the last track like predicated where it's sort of um the singer and guitarist sort of mimicking one another uh which I think was like maybe the strongest vocal Mm. performance on the record because she really does a pretty solid job like holding up there I think it's really funny that you single out the vocals as the weird part of this record because (laughs) like I don't know for me it's the exact opposite like the vocals are the least weird part of this album like I think if you were to well first of all I think if you were to isolate any of the parts it's not going to sound as weird as this album is because I no certainly not the most difficult thing is just that everything kind of seems like it's tripping over one of one another. Yeah. Uh, and so when you isolate any part, you'll hear it kind of speeding up and slowing down, but it won't sound as unnatural. Um, but I think the vocals, like if you isolate them, like it'd be so easy on a ton of these songs just to put like a normal uh, kind of like rock instrumental underneath of them and just be like your standard run of the mill indie rock song like uh wanders or something like i think uh for me definitely the second half it gets more melodic um yeah but i just love the tone of the singer's voice because it's so like weirdly gritty uh and like kind of deep but when she hits the when she goes up into like higher notes it takes on a totally different like characteristic yeah, well, and I think that I maybe like pick out the uh, singers' vocals just because, not because they're the weirdest element here, but because, like what you said, when taken on their own, no element is particularly strange here. But the vocals are always what like strike me, like they really ring through, um, and it is like because they also never really sync up with the. Uh, it feels like they're bouncing really between singing up between the drums and guitar at different points mm-hmm. um which also lends to you know the sound being interesting but it lends to the vocals sticking in my mind much more consistently because they're the thing that like sort of continue to move between uh channels as it were you know mm-hmm. um i do i did really like the the drums on here as well they're sort of like it's almost funny at a point because I remember there was one track uh, where the drums are kind of like skittering throughout, uh, which is a very common thing that they do <laughs> on this record. And then 
it's short there's uh the the very next song kind of starts off slower and the drums aren't there at the beginning and it's just uh vocals and guitar and then the drums come back and they sound the exact same as they did in the last <laughs> song and they just sound so out of place and inappropriate that like i think like i genuinely laughed out loud when they came <laughs> back um but yeah this is an album that is it very much is going to keep you on your toes but also weirdly i did find it sort of relaxing after a point um because even though the time signature and everything seems to or it, you know th- that they don't seem beholden <laughs> to any time signature at various points um and and they feel like they constantly are on the verge of falling apart they do have these sort of uh I, I, I don't know what music genre the style is most associated with, but the style of sort of uh, the sound kind of constantly looping, like they're very much like kind of beholden to a groove. It's just that they are not very good at following the groove. Like it's like they're playing the same things consistently, but uh, they just kind of start to fall apart um, as the song goes on. Does that track? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, um, that's the kind of thing that, uh, like, I was trying to mention a little bit. I think you summed it up a little bit better there of me trying to, like, compare it to electronic music. Because mm-hmm. in that way, it almost ends up feeling like a Jay Dilla beat or something where not yeah. everything's lining up. But it's looping and it's always coming back to the same place, uh, despite the fact that nothing seems to be lining up. It's running the same loop, like, over and over again. Uh, yeah. And it's like once you're able to get into that, like if you allow yourself to stop trying to find where it locks in and just kind of let everything hit you, uh, you can get into like a real, like an interesting groove that you can't get out of most uh, groove music. Right. This is like a super unique start, like kind of groove. Cause I mean, Jay Dill is such an interesting comparison, but I do think it's kind of apt the way that you uh, summed it up, which is funny. I would never think to compare this <laughs> album to Jay Dilla. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely is one of those albums that you just kind of have to accept. Like you can't keep trying to put it together cause it's never really going to fit. Mm-hmm. Um and in that way, though, I think it is some more listenable than something like the Shags, which were my constant comparison. Because the Shags, I feel like they, when you're listening to a, an album like Philosophy of the World, it never locks in anywhere to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, there are moments of like sort of respite that you can find if you just let it do its thing, and which is so interesting. I never really know the. Uh, takeaway that I'm supposed to have from an album like this necessarily because I can never tell if they're intentionally like I and I think that it's kind of the point right I don't know if it's like intentionally for lack of a better term sounding bad in the sense that mm-hmm. like you know if like a uh, 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 you know like a highly trained band or something uh, put this out you'd think that all of the people recording it were like just super drunk or something uh but i i'm never sure if they are being intentionally amateurish or if they just sort of are and i guess that's kind of the point you know Mm -hmm. um is that like why does it matter Mm -hmm. and i think i mean that's a tale as old as time thinking back to someone like the shags where if you're approaching them from like if you're your standard like prog rock fan and you listen to the shags you're gonna 
like claw your own eyes out because you think they're just bad right but if you're coming at it from more of like that avant-garde perspective uh you're not always like that amateurness can play into the music as well but i think with that like i although the shags are definitely like the most obvious comparison Mm. um I think the way that the chaos is ordered on this album, unlike the way that it's just not ordered on something like the shags, um, it's more apt to something like a trout mask replica. Yeah. I was just thinking of trout mask replica. And I think this is one of the couple of albums like since then that have been able to like kind of replicate that, sound in a way of nothing quite lining up but still looping back together probably on not quite as academic uh of a or like as painstakingly put together as something like trout mask replica but definitely right well it's just not as dense really Mm -hmm. is, is what it comes down to um but i definitely think that that is a very apt comparison and it's interesting because they replicate the sound but not like are they I should say, like, they replicate the style because the records sound really nothing alike. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Trout Mask Replica pulls a lot more from, like, the blues rock perspective uh, that Captain Beefheart was, like, working in prior. Um, so the, the albums end up sounding very sonically different, but, uh, which I think is a, a, a benefit to the new, uh, to the um, Still House Plants record. Uh, because it doesn't sound like a Trout Mask Replica ripoff. Although, really, I, I've never heard a record and thought this is just like Trout Mask <laughs> Replica. Um, I don't even, so I don't know what that <laughs> would sound like, really. But uh, it it's interesting that that's not a comparison that I thought of, because it, it so doesn't sound like that to me immediately. Um, but that's another one, like, as soon as you said that, that makes perfect sense. And it's interesting like i wonder who this band would say that they're influenced by i don't know if they've like done many interviews or anything of that nature um but i wonder if they're influenced by sort of the uh trout mask replica uh you know captain beefheart of the world or if you know they're they just kind of stumbled upon this sound on their own um Uh because i think that equal or, or either option is like equally possible based on how this album sounds yeah, I think one of their biggest influences has been like UK garage music, bringing it back to that electronic and specifically experimental electronic uh, mm. comparison. Um, and that is more shown in the way that they layer their different recordings and everything uh, than anything else, in my opinion. But um, with that, I'm going to have to go and ask for some closing thoughts from you, Griffin. Yeah, um, this record, you'll notice that uh, throughout my time, I never said if I liked it or not, because I don't know. (laughs) Um, But it is, like, for sure the most unique listen that I've had this year. And, I mean, me not liking it is not of detriment to the record. I wouldn't really say that I like Trout Mask Replica, but I do own it on vinyl. (laughs) Um, So, like... Yeah, and this kind of fits into the same corner in my mind where it's like, I maybe appreciate it more than I like it because it is so unique. And like I said, this album could not have been easy to make. It's hard to sound this disjointed. Uh, Because like when the Shags did a reunion tour eventually, they had to hire like very technically skilled musicians to back them up (laughs) um, to recreate that sound. So I, I know that this couldn't have been easy. So I appreciate the amount of of work and dedication that went into creating this sound i think it's a very unique sound 
And I'm definitely interested to see what the band does in the future. I think it would be great to see live whenever live shows are a thing again. Uh, and yeah, I, I recommend it, question mark? I recommend listening to it, or at least listening to the track that we uh, bring up here and then maybe deciding on your own if this is going to be something that you're going to be into going forward. But before we get into that track, Anthony, uh, what are your closing thoughts on this, <laughs> on this record? Um, I'll, I'll take over with your indifference uh, <laughs> and go ahead and say that I absolutely adore this record. Um, I think it's fantastic. I can't stop listening to it. It came out less than or just over two months ago, and it's easily one of my most played albums of the year. Um, I think I love it for me it's really exciting to hear them like constantly be really close like to just absolutely falling apart like the entire time it sounds like or this is a really like poor comparison and not one that does the album justice but it sounds like an elementary school band that is like you know they're all following the conductor but none of them are really together but they (laughs) but they also because they're following the conductor they never really fall apart yeah. And to me, that's kind of what this album does in the best way possible. Uh, and the way that they're always right on the edge of just completely breaking down is super exciting to me. Uh, and there's some bangers in here, too, if I'm being completely honest. Like, Shy Song is a nice laid back uh, bop, but then you have Curb and Do are both like pretty close to indie rock, along with the song Crease. You have September, which gets into like, more uh like there's like a chord progression in that song and it makes it it hits really hard uh and i just love the way that this album's put together and uh i haven't gotten tired of it yet while listening to it very often so i think this album's good for if you're a fan of palm and wish that they were a little bit less organized uh or if you're just like an experimental rock lover uh and you're looking for something interesting i think you should try this out but griffin what song are we going to hear from this album yeah definitely for the experimental rock lover like do not miss this because this it is a really good experimental rock album for sure um with that being said uh i guess we're going to get into the the track that i picked uh for the week Mm -hmm. uh, for this album and um i'm going with track 11 which is crease which uh is my favorite track on the record Obviously, mm-hmm. it's uh, w- there are long passages where this album is very amelodic, but this is one of the more melodic moments, uh, which, which I think caught me by surprise uh, in the uh, track listing of the of the record. And uh, yeah, it just has like a really good energy. Most of the album has really good energy, but this song specifically. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. That's probably the one that I'm planning on coming back to the most. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it as well. Um, and with that, here is the song Crease by Still House Plants off their latest album, Fast Edit, right here on U92 The Moose. We will be right back with more Say Something Nice right after this.
WWVU-FM Morgantown. You are listening to Say Something Nice right here on U92, The Moose. We just got done talking about uh, still house plants with their record Fast Edit. Uh, we're going to be moving on to something entirely different. Uh, John Prine's 1971 debut self-titled record, um, which I suggested to Anthony. I'm going to start off by giving a little bit of background about the, the man and the album Uh, John Prine was born in a suburb of Chicago with his two parents uh, hailing originally from Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. Uh, This, like his sort of parents' uh, more Southern upbringing along with the uh, contemporary folk scene happening uh, throughout the 50s and 60s in Chicago, I think very much inspired his sound. Um, After graduating high school, he worked as a mail delivery person for five years until being drafted into the Vietnam War. Uh, he served in Germany, which paints uh, like that whole saga of his life, I think, is something that paints his anti-war sentiments throughout his music, but especially on uh, this record, um, which I think paints in a very unique way. But I, I won't get sidetracked uh, with that, especially right now, because uh, I have more things to say. <laughs> uh, he got his start uh, throughout uh, Chicago doing open mic nights. Uh, which he did pretty consistently throughout the 60s for basically the whole of the decade. Um, And he became sort of a local favorite. Uh, The first review he ever received was actually by uh, famed Chicago movie critic uh, Roger Ebert, who just happened to uh, hear him by chance. Um, He called him a great songwriter. (laughs) And uh, eventually he picked up the the favor of uh, singer-songwriter Chris Christopherson, who, had, who was the one that got him a meeting with Atlantic Records, who would go on to sign him and put out uh, this debut album. Uh, the self-titled record, I think, is an interesting record in the canon of folk and country music generally because I think it very much has the sort of 60s uh, counterculture-y sort of folk uh, mindset uh, while still sort of hinting at the way that country music uh, generally was changing and would change into the 70s. Um, the songs here are really personal and touching and consistently have like sort of a light sense of humor that Prine uh, would become known for. And uh, interesting story about the cover that I always thought was funny. This is like the most stereotypical sort of country album cover that I've ever seen, uh, which is very much not in line with who John Prine is as an artist. Like I said, he was born and raised in Chicago uh, and he said this was the first time that he'd ever sat in front of a bale of hay uh, in his entire life. Um, 
but with that, uh, Anthony, what did you think of this record? Well, I want to say that really just like tore down my entire perception of who John Prine was. <laughs> uh, although I am glad that he was factually accurate on uh, ooh, what song was that? Was that uh, Paradise, where he's mm. talking about his parents' hometown? I'm glad yeah. to know that it was factually accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, again, the the fact that that was John Prine's first time sitting in front of a bale of hay for the cover is really funny because I was going to start out like straight up. My first sentence was going to be, if you want to know what this album sounds like, just look at the cover. Yeah. <laughs> because that really like pretty much sums it up. This, this man with his John Denver looking self <laughs> is sitting on a bale of hay in all denim with the guitar leaning up on the bale of hay next to him you have just his name on the top in orange type i mean i don't know what else you want from from a country album cover yeah Um, it's and i don't think that you're wrong necessarily (laughs) it's just i think john prine has kind of always been an oddball in the country scene because of his sort of upbringing it's pretty incongruous with like the stereotypical you know country uh upbringing mm-hmm. um but he i think he's very much inspired by those sounds along with the uh like i said chicago folk scene which i think lend to a very interesting like i think the sound is very straight country throughout these records but i think lyrically um he's borrowing much more from that sort of uh protest folk scene like very much in the school of like a uh, bob dylan type artist i feel like mm-hmm, for sure and that's someone like my immediate comparisons um, lyrically were definitely to someone more like Dylan, but not uh, quite. Like, I think one of the things that I appreciated about this album, uh, as opposed to what I appreciate about a Dylan album, is that it's a lot more straightforward. Yeah. Um, Like, the entire album is pretty just simple and straightforward, but that's really the appeal here. Like the entire thing is super calming and entertaining and heartfelt like really any good like americana country album probably should be um but it's also super like witty and as you said uh comical at times too throughout this album but i think uh what really shines the most is his directness and his wit uh which i think are just two things that he just took each one, the directness from that more classic Western country, uh, but the wit more from someone like Bob Dylan. Yeah. And I think that's direct. It makes it like a very sort of uh, working man singer songwriter record. I Mm -hmm. think in a lot of ways, it makes it very, you know, easy to understand you're not going to spend like the way that there are like full college courses sort of dissecting (laughs) the the lyrics of of dylan but i find the lyrics here to be a very uh very emotionally resonant while still being very uh poetic and unique within some aspects like uh the song title here which works as the hook as well um your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore Mm-hmm. That's I think that's just such a wonderful line. Uh, it's a very like succinct, succinct and, and aptly put uh, line for the time in which the the song was written. Certainly, and I think it's uh, like I like that you brought up that 
it kind of is just like a more of a working man's country album but uh it's interesting because i think it really captures more of what the working man really was in 1979 or what the average person especially uh if he's shooting for that audience that younger audience was really thinking because throughout yeah. this album he attacks war specifically i know he attacks the korean war and i think he attacks the vietnam war as well uh but he also like the one thing that really caught me is how he attacks coal companies on the song paradise and is like railing against the fact that these coal companies are like totally stripping away the land and every like all of nature in these more rural areas uh, and i think that it's really interesting he really is just like throughout the album kind of going to going up to bat for things that actually matter a little bit more and something that has kind of gotten like out of touch as i think country has progressed yeah for sure it's a, it does have that very sort of early country uh sentiment which a lot of early country music tended to be like have a very sort of leftist slant um and i think this album is definitely traditional in that sense um it doesn't start to stray away from that. And I think like later in the seventies and the eighties is where you'd see country sort of start to become like a more uh, apolitical genre. But I think by this point, like, and that's where I think that you're getting that sort of sixties folk influence as well. Cause um, most of the folk throughout the sixties was very explicitly uh, political mm-hmm. um, even in, in the most popular sectors uh, you know, like, like a Dylan or like a, like a folk rock sort of a Crosby stills and Nash vibe even. Um, you know, all, all very uh, political, politically angled music. And I think this very much is in, in line with that, um, which is another thing that I think makes it a unique country record and where you can kind of see where the line uh, between the the genres and stylings and decades is starting to fade. I think he's a very sort of artist that operates on uh, the places between uh, all of the where you would t- typically have sort of rigid cutoffs for one era of music or style of music versus another. Certainly. Um, and to kind of switch gears a little bit here and something that I don't want to either downplay or overplay is just how like simple this album is, but it's so mm-hmm. deceptively simple. Uh, and simple in a way that's really just comforting because it's like even though there's absolutely nothing like particularly new I'd say I don't I'm gonna have to uh start making some generalizations here because I'm not super like invested or uh knowledgeable on this genre but like at least from what I've heard there's nothing sonically new there's not necessarily anything lyrically new um although John Prine's, his specific wit definitely like shines and shows, but I feel like everything here just fits together so perfectly and just adds to the overall album. Like nothing on this album feels wasted. Uh, Throughout the track list, there wasn't a song that like bored me anything, like nothing would stand out as like a skip track or something that I wouldn't mind hearing, um, which is something that's really special and just something that you appreciate on an album that is this simple and straightforward is that everything still hits. 
um, which is really just like an accomplishment, especially considering how repetitive this sound can get. And I think it does on the album because you're just using the same palettes uh, and similar melodies throughout the whole thing. But even with that repetition, it never gets boring, which I just attribute to how compelling John Prine's songwriting is yet again. Like he just does an absolutely fantastic job. I'm always willing uh, to sit and just listen to what he's trying to say. 100%. I, I think the strength of this album is that it doesn't really try to reinvent the wheel. I think Prine is just sort of like a master at uh, everything that he's trying to do. So he doesn't really, even this being his first record, um, and he doesn't really go forward to do a lot of experimentation in his music. Uh, he, he remains pretty much in line with this sound. Uh, up until his his final release uh, in 2018, I think it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, it it is just he's just so good at this that it's like I don't mind <laughs> that there's nothing altogether new because I think he is one of the best songwriters in the genre. Like I don't think there's anyone doing it quite as well as John Prine is, um, and for as long as he was too, because he has a, a pretty large discography throughout his. Uh, what a uh, 30 or 40 year music career. I'm not positive about the actual timeline of that. Um, Almost half a century if you want. Yeah. 50. Yeah, 71 yeah. to 2018. Yeah. So yeah. And, and I think throughout that time, he never loses an ounce of, of uh, what makes him great on this record, uh, which I think is something that's really commendable. Um, I did want to say though, as you were saying uh, about this album sort of being, uh, deceptively simple. I think that it it very much so is, and that is so it can and draw that focus into uh, Prine's writing. Going back to, I, I wanted to bring up the uh, the reason I, I mentioned Roger Ebert at the beginning is because I really liked his quote. And this was before John Prine had really been performing for very long in uh, general, and in years before he would sign his full uh, record deal to record this album. Um, the quote is uh, in referring to Prine's songwriting. Um, he starts slow, but after a song or two, even the drunks in the room are beginning to listen to his lyrics. And then he has you, which I think is very much in line with my experience with this record. Um, in that it is, it is just a very pleasant listen uh, to just kind of have on. And I've definitely used it as that as well. But the, the lyrics on here, while again, not necessarily very complex or overly written, I think are very touching like sam stone is probably one of my favorite songs of all time um which is a song just about i I don't think there's ever been a song that has more like uh well summarized the the plights of returning veterans than sam stone has in 1971 which is a song you know a, a lyrical topic that unfortunately continues to be very prescient um and so, yeah, I think it's interesting and that, that sort of simplicity of it is, is one of the benefits of this album because it is something that you can just listen to. Uh, right when fall started to kick in around here, I, I spent several days uh, where I would just put on this album and go for walks because it is just like a very nice album to listen to. It consistently has like that light sense of humor. 
Um, and it's a very pretty record as well. Uh, like I think all of the the playing in here is very pleasant to listen to and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really cleanly recorded. Um, but I think uh, what is so interesting, again, just about the instrumentals being so simple and allowing you to focus in on the lyrics, um, again, to con compare and contrast with someone like Bob Dylan, who I think does the same thing where he has these super simple instrumentals that let you then listen to and dissect and interpret the lyrics uh, with this John Prine self-titled release. It's the same deal with the instrumentals, but instead of the lyrics like inviting you to analyze them, you don't really have to, which is so nice. Like John Prine's not trying too hard to make me think but also I don't have to try too hard to understand or enjoy this album. And it's just as easy to throw on and just enjoy kind of in the background as good mood music as it is to put on and just kind of listen. And it's not something that's going to make you try too hard to get this album. Like, I don't, I don't think there's really anything to get about this release. Like it's just, it presents itself and you then get the chance to decide how you feel about it, positive or negative, but it's not something that you're going to have to listen to two, three times over just to realize how you feel about it. It's, it very just lays itself bare uh, and allows you to get everything on first listen, but still be rewarded with entertainment uh, coming back to it again and again. Yeah, I think a lot of that also comes from the fact that he was playing these sort of bar shows and these open mics and everything. So he, when these songs were written, he would need something that the audience doesn't have to listen to several times over because they didn't have the chance to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I think that his songwriting is so uh, great as well is because it's very intentionally uh, simple and, and easy to understand um, while still being, in my opinion, so emotionally affecting. Uh, because, like, I think he's a great performer. Like, he's he's a crowd pleaser, really. Um, he, I think he wants these songs to be instant for that reason, uh, because at, at the time he was performing them, he wanted them to... Someone who, even if they didn't know him and never bought his record, they still had, like, you know, a fine time mm -hmm. uh, listening to him wherever he may have been performing, you know? Absolutely, and getting into some... <laughs> closing thoughts here I think that's a great point like I felt like even as I listened to this record for the first time it just felt like I was just having a good time it's just an enjoyable like entertaining listen it's super heartfelt it's witty it's funny at times uh and he has like John Prine makes some great sentiments some great points uh tell some great stories along the way like this is pretty much everything that i could possibly want from a classic country album like i don't think there's been an album of this style that has really connected the same way that this one has for me and not even in a way that i necessarily relate with everything on this album it just feels like the music on this album uh, was always meant to exist. Uh, and John Prine did a fantastic job of bringing it into existence. Uh, he's an absolutely incredible songwriter. And I think that shows a lot on 
this album, like I said, there's not really anything on here that I find to be a miss. I think everything here hits pretty hard, uh, hits immediately too. That's It's not an album that you're going to have to listen to again and again just to find why you like or dislike this record. Um, I think John Prine is just an absolute master of his craft, just going about his business, doing what he does best, specifically on this record. I think all of these songs are perfectly crafted to play to a kind of bar scene or something like as you go through, by the time you hear the chorus the third or fourth time, you're already ready to sing along. Uh, but they never get repetitive uh, or tedious to listen to throughout the entire fairly fairly packed runtime. It's a 45 minute album, which isn't necessarily short for a music style this uh, at times repetitive, but I I've absolutely loved this album. I think it was incredibly entertaining to listen to through. Yeah, um, th this is a record that I can't recommend enough that to just basically anyone. Um, I, I think it's a, an excellent uh, country album, folk album, but even if you're not particular to those two genres, like I said, the songwriting on here is just uh, so great. Um, John Prine has influenced a plethora of artists, everyone from like greats like Johnny Cash to uh, more recent favorites like uh, Casey Musgraves and uh, Robin Pecknold of Fleet Foxes, uh, both list him as, as pretty large influences. Um, so yeah, I love this record a lot. I did just want to uh, take a moment to sort of uh, memorialize uh, Prine here at the end, who did die uh, earlier this year due to complications from COVID-19, unfortunately. Um, his ashes, I think very poetically, uh, as stated on this album, were scattered over uh, the river uh, in Muhlenberg County, which he mentions in um, the song Paradise on here, uh, which I think was a very lovely sort of uh, memorial to him and, and his life and uh he won a, a grammy a lifetime achievement award i believe right uh prior to 2020 last year during the last grammy ceremonies so i'm glad that he got to to live to see just how widespread his influence was um which i think during the making of this album was something that he could have never really imagined uh so yeah this is a very good album please listen to it <laughs> uh anthony though before we get into your song what are we talking about uh next week here um so i believe we're going to be switching up roles a little bit here coming into Indeed. next week uh the album that i'm going to recommend to you is laura nero's 1968 pop masterpiece uh eli and the 13th confession it's an album that i have only recently come to appreciate uh and be aware of uh but i've been absolutely obsessed with it i think you're going to really enjoy it as well yeah i'm very excited to listen to it and uh continuing with the role switch up uh this week i i am uh giving you sort of a dark electronic listen uh with uh giant swans um i believe it's also their self-titled record hang on let me make sure about that <laughs> uh before i yes giant swan self-titled record i'm sorry to give you two self-titled records in a row but they, that's about where their comparisons stop and end uh this is a very kinetic listen a very sort of uh cinematic listen in a lot of ways um very very good stuff uh that i think you will enjoy quite a bit
uh, came out 2019. It was one of my favorite records of the year, and I'm not particular a lot particular <laughs> on that genre as we've attested to. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'm very excited to listen. With to it. Uh, with that being said, Anthony, what are we uh, hearing from from John Prime uh, to close out the show this week? The song that I am choosing this week is uh, "What a Better Place to Begin." for this album if this is your first time listening then the beginning uh the song i'm picking is the opening track to john prine self-titled uh it is the song illegal smile kind of uh john talking about the ways that he gets by being happy even when <laughs> the world continues to try and tear him down yeah, an excellent and, and a very uh, prescient song for this moment in time, <laughs> surely. But uh, yeah, we're going to hit you with that track and then we'll be back here next week talking about two brand new, well, not brand new, new to us, <laughs> <laughs> two records. So uh, be here, same bat time, same bat channel, uh, right here on U92 The Moose. For right now, though, it's John Prine with the song Illegal Smile right here on U92 The Moose. When I woke up this morning, things were looking bad. Seemed like total silence was the only friend I had. A bowl of oatmeal tried to stare me down, and one knew it was 12 o'clock before I realized I was having no fun. Ah, but fortunately, I have the key to escape reality. And you may see me tonight with an illegal smile. It don't cost very much, but it lasts a long while. Won't you please tell the man I didn't kill anyone? No, I'm just trying to have me some fun. Last time I checked my bankroll, it was getting thin. Sometimes it seems like the bottom is the only place I've been. I chased a rainbow down a one-way street, dead end. And all my friends turned out to be insurance salesmen. Ah, but fortunately, I have the key to escape reality and you may see me tonight with an illegal smile it don't cost very much but it lasts a long while won't you please tell the man i didn't kill anyone no i'm just trying to have me some fun closet with all my overalls trying to get away from all the ears inside my walls I dreamed the police heard everything I thought what then well I went to court and the judge's name was Hoffman ah but fortunately I have the key to escape reality and you may see me tonight with an illegal smile 
Sam 